Welcome to First Baptist Church. You're listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. So we're going to welcome you back to our fourth and final part of our series titled uh, Why Worry. And we have um, been taking a very candid look at uh, the reasons why we worry and why we have so much anxiety. Uh, and more importantly, we're, we're, we've been talking about what God actually has to say uh, about worry and anxiety and what he wants us to do about it. And uh, because, because here's the truth. God, <laughs> he doesn't want you to worry, okay? He just doesn't want you to worry. I mean, over and over in the Bible, it, you know, we find you know, phrases like, Please, you know, do not be afraid, do not be anxious, do not worry, do not let your hearts be troubled. God does not want you to worry. And so we started this series uh, in week one by, by looking at the root cause of worry. And, and really what we discovered is that, that the root cause of anxiety and worry is the fact that you and I have not fully come to terms um, with the truth. And, and, and the truth that we've not come to terms with is a fact that you and I are actually not in control. Okay? We're not in control of the wind. We don't control the economy. We don't control the stock market. We don't control global politics. We don't control other people. Most of the time we can't even control ourselves. We are not in control. But there's something inside of us that tells us we should all be in control. And somehow we should be able to control the things that are beyond our control. Uh, and so we worry and we get anxious. And, and the fact remains we just can't control the things that are beyond our control. Because we're not God. Okay? And, and so we shouldn't worry about the things that, that we can't control. And not only that, we know that anxiety you know, doesn't help anyway. It doesn't help. It doesn't fix anything. Right? And worse yet, it's not even good for us. Anxiety and worry have negative health effects. They have negative mental effects. They have negative emotional effects. And if that weren't enough, you know, worry and anxiety is bad for relationships. It's, it's bad for marriages and families. And it's even bad for work. Right? And that's not even the worst of it because the worst part is, is worry is just this gigantic distraction and a big barrier in our relationship with God because when you worry, you are focused on you and you are focused on your life and your situation instead of God and instead of his ability to love you and his ability to sustain you. You are not focused on his plan for your life or his will for your life. Okay? You see, worry is not good for you and it doesn't glorify God either. That's why God doesn't want you to worry. That's why in week one, we decided that what we need to do is stop trusting in our ability to control things and, and acknowledge the truth that we're not in control. And instead, we need, what we need to do is rejoice in the one who is actually in control and then take everything to him in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Okay? And if we will do that, if we will do that, God promises then a peace that is so extraordinary, okay, that is beyond our ability to even comprehend. That kind of peace will come into our lives and protect us. Okay? It will, as, as, as Paul says, it will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then in week two, we begin to talk about how we react to those big uncontrollable issues in our lives, those things in the world around us that affect us in a big way, but we have no control over. Things like politics and presidential elections and, 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 and our culture and, and the Supreme Court and the decisions they make. Things that are so big and beyond our control and they affect us, um, but, but we have no control. And so it causes us to ask really big questions like, when will things get better? Right? When will things ever get better again? When will things get back to normal? Because, because that's what we want to know, really, is when will things actually get better for us? And when will things get back to the normal that we think is normal? But what we discovered 
you know, uh, we worry and ask these kind of questions because there are two realities that we just deny in our lives. We have two realities that we have not yet come to terms with. And the first reality that we struggle with is the reality that we are all broken people living in a broken world, okay? Which simply means in the grand scheme of things, things are not going to truly get better until Jesus comes back. Okay? It's not going to completely happen that way. Okay? We are all sinners living in a world that's infected with sin, which means that we're going to solve a problem over here today, but another problem is going to pop up over here somewhere else. And for every solution, there's always a side effect. And for every good that happens, there's always a consequence. Okay? Because we live in a broken world filled with broken people. Things okay, will not actually finally get better until Christ returns, which is actually what our hope is. Right? And then the second reality we forget is the fact that, that what is normal in the world, okay, what is normal in the world is for the church and for Christians to be persecuted. That is what's actually normal. Okay? That's been normal since Christ first came here. Our culture is just simply catching up with the rest of the world. Okay? Our culture is simply beginning to do what the rest of the world has always done, which is to hate the truth and to persecute God's people. But even though that these things are normal for us, they're new to us. And so it causes us to worry, you know. And so how do we deal with this kind of worry? Okay, how do we overcome this worry as these kinds of things happen in our world, in our lives around us that are out of control? Well, we talked about a very practical application in the middle of the Sermon of the Mount, which is found in, in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus tells, you know, people here not to worry. And these are oppressed people. These are oppressed people that are oppressed economically and, and religiously. And, and even uh, and politically, okay? And he tells these people, don't worry, not even about your lives, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, all that you will need will be added or given to you. You see, the antidote that Jesus prescribes for worry is first and foremost to seek to glorify God. Make sure you have a relationship with Jesus, I mean, with God first. Seek his kingdom and his righteousness. Glorify God in our lives first and then trust that God who is in control of everything anyway, trust that he's going to take care of everything else. He's going to meet our needs. He's going to provide for us. That's the bottom line that we learn, that we seek God's glory first and trust that he will take care of what we need. And then last week, we looked at two more practical solutions to worry. Uh, we also found in the book of Philippians, uh, which is written uh, by Paul. Um, and, and he didn't write it at a seaside retreat, you know, you know, drinking lattes, all right? He wrote it from prison. And what he's doing is he's telling the Philippians not to worry when things get hard because God is in control and that they need to pray instead of worrying. And then Paul gives them a couple more practical pieces of advice, you know, on how to overcome worry in their lives. In fact, he says, finally, brothers... Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think, think about these things, right? And then he says, what have you, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. And so what Paul's essentially saying that if you're going to overcome worry and anxiety, you need to change the way you think. Okay? You need to change the things that you think about. You need to change the things that you're focused on. You need to change the way you think. And you need to stop focusing your mental energy on things that, that cause you to worry and shift your focus you know, uh, from God. You need to change the way you think. And then you need to get busy doing 
what you've been taught to do. You need to put into practice the things that you've learned. You need to get busy doing the Word of God. Paul says what you have learned, what you've received, what you've heard, what you've been taught, what you read in the Bible, what you learned in Sunday school, you know, what you see done by example, you need to practice these things. Or in other words, you just need to do them. That's what Paul's saying. You need to do what God and his word says. So doing the word of God is actually an effective antidote to worry because it's, it has the power to change things. It has the power to tear down walls. It has the power to soften your heart and other people's hearts. It has the power to create opportunities. Doing the word of God helps us to move from being a victim of our circumstances to a proactive part of the solution. Um, taking action and doing the word of God helps us to focus our minds and our hearts and our energy in a direction that's positive and useful and productive. And more importantly, it is the great power that God has invested in us to change the world around us, okay? And so that's where we've been so far, and we've looked at this subject for a number of angles, and, 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 and we have come up with several practical applications to help us actively overcome worry in our lives. Things like admitting I'm not in control, and rejoicing in God who is in control, and praying to God, right, and praying to Him about every little thing, okay? And then what we need to do is focus, you know, um, Take the focus off of ourselves and place the focus on God by seeking to honor Him in everything that we do. And we just simply need to trust in God and that, that He will provide for us. And in addition to that, we need to, to change the way we think. And we need to get busy doing the Word of God and what it calls us to do in the Bible. And, uh, and as I've promised week after week after week, if you will do these things, if you will do these things that are prescribed in the Bible, your life will change forever. You will have a peace that you have never known before. You will be a better person internally because God's going to be reshaping you. But most importantly, you will glorify God in your life. You will honor him with the things that you do and you will help others to see the light of Jesus in your life. Now, as we wrap up this series this week, um, there's one last issue when it comes to worry that I think that we really need to address. And it actually wasn't something I planned from the beginning to talk about. Um, you see, as I, I put this series together, I felt that this was a direction that, that God you know, was leading. And I knew that, that, that anxiety was a topic that, that we, should, you know, we should talk about because I know a lot of people struggle with that, including me. Um, and, and so I expected this series would, ex- would, would speak to people and, you know, and that, it, that if it was the will of God you know, that we would do this series and if I preach the word faithfully that it will speak to you because that's what I've come to expect. I mean week after week you know, you know, my goal is to preach what God wants me to preach and then my second goal is to kind of get out of the way to, you know, to, to work hard enough to prepare enough to get out of the way uh, of God and let him do what he does. And so week after week I've just kind of come to expect you know, God to work through his word and I've seen it happen, right? And so with this series, there was no, ex- no exception. I've kind of expected that, that God would speak to you guys in this series, but I didn't expect the reaction um, that I've been getting since we actually kicked this series off. Uh, I've had really a number of people, you know, text me and call me on the phone um, and, and message me on Facebook and, and come to me in person here in church or even out in the community. And, and, and almost all of those people who come to me to talk to me, they say the same exact things. They say, you know, what you were saying in this series is exactly what I needed to hear. Okay. It was exactly what I needed to hear. I've been struggling with worry and anxiety in this form or that fashion. And man, the Word of God has really brought so much comfort to me in my life right now. And so as a pastor, that's really incredibly comforting and uplifting and encouraging to me because I want, more than anything else, for God to be active and alive in your lives. 
Okay? I want him to draw you closer. I want him to change you from the inside out. I want you to spend time in his life-giving presence. And I want you to know the peace that Paul talks about in Philippians 4, that peace that surpasses all, dis- all, all understanding. And that's certainly my prayer for you. And so I've, as I've been going through this series, right, you know, and I've seen how this impacted you, right, I mean, and it's really been encouraging me, but, but there's also one thing that I've noticed in my conversations. Okay, there's something else that has popped up in a number of the conversations that I've had. And, 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 and you see, I knew that worry um, and anxiety were, were big deals, right? That's why we've been talking about this for three solid weeks. We've looked at it from multiple angles. That's why we talked about, you know, that worry can be traced back to a few simple ideas, like our ignoring the truth that we're not in control. Okay, that's a huge source of worry because because we're not in control. Or, or another source of worry is our lack of faith in God. We're just not simply trusting God to be God and do what He needs to do to take care of us, right? Or then there's a truth that we keep fighting, which is we forget that there's, that, you know, that we're broken people in a broken world. We just expect for some reason that things are just going to get better on their own. And then there's a the truth of this antagonism that's starting to, to pop up against Christians, right? It's actually something that's normal in the world, and we, we're, we're struggling to, to wrap our heads around that. And then perhaps the most comprehensive source of worry stems from us focusing on ourselves, focusing on our own lives instead of focusing on God and what His will is. And so, so this right here was a pretty comprehensive list, but, there's, but after talking to some of you, there's another source of anxiety that I think we really need to, to deal with. And it's a number, I mean, I mean there's a, a number of you have been wrestling with it and it's definitely something that the Bible addresses and it's something that actually has a real impact on so many of us and, uh, and, and the thing that so many of us are wrestling with when it comes to worry and anxiety stems from our desire to escape our past okay that's, that's where a lot of this anxiety comes from it's a desire for you to escape your past because the truth is we all, every one of us have a past right? I mean, we've all have a past where we've done good things, and then we all have done some things that aren't so good, right? We all have things in our past that we're really proud of, some things that we wish we could redo, like right now. And we have events and circumstances in our lives um, where, the, where people were good to us, and then there's events and circumstances in our lives where people were not so good to us. Instead, they were actually really hurtful to us, and they, they hurt us really bad. And by the same token, you know, in the past, we, there were moments made up of where we were really, really good to people, but then there were times where we had been really cold-hearted, and we have really hurt other people, even willfully. And in addition to that, you know, those times we've made some really bad choices, okay? It wasn't like that uh, you were actually trying to be mean. It wasn't like you're trying to hurt anybody, you know? You weren't trying to hurt yourself. You just made a bad choice, and those choices had big consequences, and they end up hurting you, and they cost you something, but worse yet, they end up hurting other people, people that you care about, people that you love, maybe family and friends. Okay, and, and, and at the same time, there were those people who, in your life, that you love and care about, and they care about you, but they made some bad choices, right? And they didn't mean to hurt you. It wasn't their intention. But in the process, you got hurt by what they decided. And, and so all of these things make up our past, our mistakes, our hurts, our hurting other people, our hurting ourselves, traumatic events, difficult situations, things that have scarred us. I mean, we might not have visible scars, but we'd certainly have invisible scars nonetheless from a lot of these things. And so oftentimes these things, they come back to us. Sometimes just at the most inopportune time, they come back, you know, um, in our in our thoughts. They come back as memories. They come back in our dreams. They kind of come back when we find ourselves in certain types of situations. They come back when we 
smell a certain smell. We, they come back when we're around a certain person, right? And for many of these things, when they come back, they cause us to fear and to worry and to have anxiety. In fact, these things can cause our heart rates to increase and our breathing to become labored and, and, and our stomach begins to churn and turn over you know, and the thoughts of these things begin to increase our stress and, 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 and we become more irritable and impatient as a result and it takes away our peace. And I think that you all know what I'm talking about. Because okay? those things, you know, I, I think that all of you have something in your past that, 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 that's similar to that. Those memories that you want to just, you know, put away. You know, those things that you want to repress. Those things that you've done that you wish that, that, you, that, that you've never done, right? And those things that were done to you that, that should have never been done in the first place, right? Your worst kind of fears and deepest regrets. And we all know these things, okay? You know, we all know what I'm talking about because at some level, I think all of us are, stri- are trying to escape the past in some fashion. There's something that we're all trying to hide. There's something... We all want to forget. There's something that we're all running from. There's something that affects us on this deep emotional level when we we think about these things. And for many of us, it causes this deep, deep anxiety and, and troubling worry. And so the question that this series has been seeking to answer is, what do we do about it? Right? What do we do with this kind of worry? How do we get over it? What does the Bible actually have to say about it? Okay. And, and the truth, when it comes to our past... You know, the Bible actually has a lot to say. Okay? The, the Bible has a lot of things to say about worry and anxiety. But, and, but God has a lot to say about this particular subject. In fact, there are hundreds and hundreds of verses about this one subject, about things in the past. But for all that the Bible has to say, the antidote to this worry actually can be summarized into one simple word. Okay, one simple word. And it's a word I think that we all have heard many, many, many times. Um, And it's a word that we all know the meaning of. It's a word that we all have talked about at some point. And it's a word that we teach our kids. And it's a word we certainly hope gets applied to us. Okay, but it's also a word that we struggle with. For as simple, simple as this idea is, we struggle with this word so much. Uh, but, but here's the thing. If you will truly learn this word, and if you will truly master it and apply it to every part of your life, it will neutralize the ability, it will forever neutralize the power of those things in the past that, that cause you to have worry and anxiety. And the word that we're going to talk about today is this. It's, it's forgiveness. And I know that you all know that that's, you know, what that word is. And some of you are probably thinking, man, I really wish you had picked a different word, all right? But, uh, but, but, the same, but, but the truth is, okay, all right, forgiveness is in fact the antidote to the worry and anxiety that comes from our past. This is the mechanism that can set you free from all of those emotions that are associated with the things that you have done in the past or things that have been done to you. Forgiveness is the application that will actually set you free from all of this, okay? You just actually have to apply it to your life. And so this morning, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the three aspects of forgiveness that you need to apply to your life so you can finally be free of the anxiety that comes from your past. Because it can, it, it cannot help you unless you actually apply it. See, knowledge is knowledge, right? But it has no value or power in your life until you turn it into application. So there are three applications we're going to talk about when it comes to forgiveness. And they are, first of all, seek forgiveness. 
The second is to give forgiveness. And the third is resting in forgiveness. You have to, it, 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 to, to have that peace in your past to, to remove the anxiety that, that, that gets stirred up from your past. What you need to do is apply all three of these in your life. So let's talk about the first one. The first one is to seek forgiveness. Okay, And this is really the foundation of forgiveness because the truth is we have all done things in our past um, and we have all done things to other people that we need to be forgiven for. I mean, there are wrongs that we have committed that, that we just need to get free from. More importantly, you know, all the wrongs that we have ever done Okay? Every wrong that you have ever committed was not just committed to against a person. All the wrongs that you have ever done was also committed against God. Okay? Every sin you've ever committed, everything you've done wrong wasn't just against a person. It was also against God. And to make matters worse, all of us, all of us were born into a life of sin. We were born with a tendency to sin. It seems like we were born to hurt other people. Okay? Okay, because because we do. We hurt other people and we're good at it. Right? We are good at hurting people and we know how to do it because we've all done it and we continue to do it. We were born to sin against other people and it seems like we we're born to sin against God. That is our fallen nature. We need to ask for forgiveness. You know, at the very bare minimum, we need God's forgiveness. Because if you don't have God's forgiveness, it doesn't matter whose forgiveness you get. Okay, let's be really, really clear about that, okay? If you don't have God's forgiveness, it doesn't matter whose forgiveness you have. Because if you don't have God's forgiveness, then you have a huge problem to face. Okay, and the problem that you're going to face is that you're a sinner, which means you're an enemy of God. And as an enemy of God, you stand right now condemned in your sin. And because of that, the only prospect you have is the full wrath of God. As an enemy of God, you deserve to receive the full wrath of a holy, righteous God. And the Bible says that he will cast you into the lake of fire because of that wrath. For the wages of sin, okay, what you have earned is death or hell. Okay? That's what you, you deserve by your actions. Right? And that is what you will get without God's forgiveness. So it doesn't matter, you know... You know, who's forgiven you? <laughs> it doesn't matter what your worries are or, or what your fears are and anxieties are in this life because your fears and anxieties are going to be fully realized when you step off into, into eternity when you don't have forgiveness of God. And so the first thing you need to seek is forgiveness from God. Now, fortunately, God has made this forgiveness possible. He actually did all the work to make forgiveness possible for you and me. You see, there's no way for us to be forgiven unless the righteous requirements of the law have been met. And you can't meet them, and I can't meet them. So God had to actually take the matters into his own hands. And what he did was he sent his son Jesus to the earth to live this perfect life. Okay? And not only that, he had to die as a sacrifice so that the righteous requirements of the law could be met for us. Right? And Jesus talked about that actually at the Last Supper in Matthew uh, chapter 26, verses 27 and 28. He says, or it says, And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of 
sins. And in this verse right here, this, we use this verse during the Lord's table because it should remind us that Jesus died for our sins so we could be forgiven. Jesus died so the door of forgiveness could be, could be opened up to us. He died so we could confess our sins and repent and turn away from our sins and turn towards Jesus in faith, placing our hope and our trust in him. That's what, what happens when your sins are forgiven. That's what you do, and then your sins are forgiven. And just, and not just some of your sins, okay? We need to be clear about that. Not just, you know, your past sins. All of your sins are forgiven. The slate is wiped completely clean. You have a brand new life in Jesus. You are no longer enemies with God. You were one of his children. You were one of his friends. You have a relationship with him that's been completely restored. That is the foundation of forgiveness. You need to seek God's forgiveness first. That's why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first forgiveness and salvation. And then after that, you need to seek other people's forgiveness. You see, the way you overcome the anxiety of the things that you have done to other people is that you need to seek their forgiveness. You need to ask them to forgive you. Okay? The way that you seek forgiveness is, is actually going to come clean, though. <laughs> That's the hard part, right? You begin with confession. You need to confess what you've done. You need to confess the wrong that you committed. In fact, James, the brother of Jesus, says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. You see, the way the relationships, you know, the way you heal a relationship the way that you seek forgiveness, the way that you make relationships right again is to confess. Tell them what you've done. Even if they know what you have done, own up to it. Admit it. Take responsibility for it. And then repent. Turn away from what you've done. Never do it again. And then ask, will you forgive me? That is how you overcome the anxiety in your life from your past is you go and you get forgiveness. You, you, you ask for forgiveness. Seek first you know, seek forgiving, uh, forgiveness by confessing and repenting and then asking. Okay, now, you might say, well, wait a minute. It, it can't be that easy because what happens if I go to them? I mean, I, I, really, I really did something pretty wrong. Okay? And if I go to them and ask for forgiveness, what happens if they don't forgive me? What if I confess what I've done and I repent of what I'm doing? Right? And, and, I, and I'm, I wholeheartedly you know, beg them to forgive me. What then if they, if they don't? Well, it's on them. Right? You've done everything that you can do. You've entered into a right relationship with God. You have sought to honor Him by seeking forgiveness of others. Right? You've done what you can do. Right? And if they forgive you or don't, it's not about you anymore. It's about them. If you're right with God and attempt to sincerely get right with them, you no longer have to walk in the shadow of the guilt of your misdeeds in the past. If you sincerely seek forgiveness, I mean sincerely seek to restore relationships, you can move on with your life because you've done everything in your power to address it. Seek forgiveness. Right? And then, number two, give forgiveness. That's how you overcome the, the worry and fear and anxiety that comes from what people have done to you is to forgive. Because people have done things to us that still cause us to be anxious, right? That's how you, you let go of those emotions that are attached to the wrongs that are committed against you by other people. Is that you, you know, come and you place, you come in actually to the place of grace and you come with your open hands and you forgive. Okay? And, it, and this isn't just 
a suggestion. This is the part that we have to come to terms with. This isn't a suggestion so that you feel better, okay? This isn't a suggestion from the Bible so you can live a healthier life. So it will help you to live healthier, okay? okay? This is actually command, right? A directive given by God. In Ephesians 4.32, it says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. In Colossians 3, 12, 13, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. Now, if that's not clear enough. And let's hear what Jesus has to say about it in Matthew chapter 6. He says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Forgiveness is not optional. Okay? Forgiveness isn't a suggestion. Forgiveness is not your prerogative. It is a direct command from God. Okay? One that he expects for you to carry out. And this is important. But this is one of the important ways to escape the past and put worry and anxiety behind you. Okay? If you believe in Jesus, then you need to understand that you actually have no excuse here anymore. Okay? You were required to forgive. Because think about this. God sent his son to die a horrific death so that you could be forgiven. Jesus suffered and died to save you personally. What right? Do you have to withhold forgiveness from someone else? I can answer the question for you because it's rhetorical, right? None. You don't have any right, right? In fact, the book of Matthew actually has this like this parable um, where he just where, where, where your debt to God is described as something being compared to owing somebody hundreds of millions of dollars. Okay, it's a it's a debt that you possibly couldn't pay. Right? Even right now, you couldn't pay it, right? But yet, God forgave a debt that compares to that. But then when you refuse to forgive someone else's debt, right, for the wrong that they've done you, it's like you taking someone to, to court and refusing to forgive them over a $10 debt. That's the comparison that the Bible draws, okay? That's the disparis, disparis, uh, disparity, okay? You've been forgiven some unfathomable, you know, amount that you couldn't possibly reconcile in your mind, right? But then you're going to not not forgive somebody of something so small. Now, I understand, okay, what some people have done to you is really bad. Some of you have experienced horrific things. You've been through things that are so awful at the hands of other people. And in your mind, it doesn't seem like a $10 debt. Okay? In your mind, it feels like something much bigger. It's a huge debt. But in the context of what God has done for you, whatever anybody's ever done to you is a tiny debt by comparison. And so he forgave you. And if God can forgive you, then you need to forgive. You were called by God to forgive, and guess what? Okay. You're walking in grace and forgiving actually. That's actually your way out of the anxiety. That is the, actually the way out of the emotions that continue to haunt you because once you let it go, it can't hurt you anymore. Okay. It doesn't control your thoughts and your emotions anymore. It doesn't have power to create anxiety and stress in your life anymore. You have nothing to lose by forgetting, for, forgiving except for your, except your, the only thing you have to lose is your anxiety and worry that you feel. Okay? So forgive. <laughs> Give forgiveness. 
First, seek forgiveness, give forgiveness, and then finally, rest in forgiveness. And, and of all the types, uh, of all these steps, this is probably the hardest one to do. This is going to be the hardest one for many of us to consistently do in our lives because, because this is the one that so many of us struggle with, at least at some point in our lives. And do you know how I know that you struggle with this? Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever made this statement here? I know God has forgiven me, but I just can't seem to forgive myself. You know, I know that she's forgiven me. I know my wife forgave me, but I just can't forgive myself for what I did. I know he forgave me, and, and, but I feel so bad. I just, I just can't forgive myself. How many of you have ever struggled with that? Right? Right? We all have. Right? I mean, we all have felt like that, that we just can't forgive ourselves for the things that we've done. And we've all, every one of us have said this statement because we've all done things that we really deeply regret. We have done things that, that we have, that, that we've hurt people so bad that we, we, we regret those things very deeply. We've done things that we're so ashamed of. Just the thought makes us blush. Just the thought makes our stomach turn. Okay? We have done things that, that when we think of ourselves it's like, how can anybody ever forgive me for what I have done? And these things haunt us, and they make us feel guilty, and they build anxiety. Because even though others have forgiven us, and even though God himself has forgiven us, we can't seem to forgive ourselves. Or so we tell ourselves. Okay. And, and then we have those well-meaning friends in our lives that will say, man, you just need to forgive yourself. Right? God's forgiven you, then you need to forgive yourself. I mean, if God can forgive you, then you can certainly forgive yourself. That's what we hear, right? But, but I'm here to tell you, this might be a hard truth, okay? The solution to the emotions you feel that cause you to think that you can't forgive yourself isn't actually to forgive yourself, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that again, okay? The solution to the emotions that you feel, those dark, condemning emotions that cause you to think in your own mind that you can't forgive yourself, the solution to that isn't to forgive yourself. Now, I know that's different than what pop culture says because pop culture says forgive yourself, right? Pop psychology says to forgive yourself. But that's not what the Bible says. In fact... When you read the Bible, you will never, ever, ever, one time, not one time, find a reference to forgiving yourself. It does not say, thou shalt forgive yourself. It does not say, God has forgiven you, therefore forgive yourself. And this might become too surprise to you. There are lots of people that think the Bible says a lot of things. And this is one of those things that people think the Bible says, but it doesn't actually say this. It never mentions, not one time, forgiving yourself. So forgiving yourself is not a biblical answer to worry. And anxiety. And let me let me tell you why. Okay. Number one, the emotions that you feel about what you have done, they cause you to feel grief. Okay. That you feel grief over what you've done. Those are actually not bad emotions. Okay. These emotions actually are not bad emotions and they need to be processed the right way. Right? So I want you to hear this. So I'm gonna say this again. The emotions that you feel about you know, uh, what you have done that, that bring you grief. Those emotions are not actually bad emotions. And these emotions actually need to be processed the right way. Because if you continue to have these emotions, maybe there's something that you have not done on your end to actually go and seek or receive or even warrant the forgiveness that you, for what you have done. You see, in, in, 
the Apostle Paul, in the second letter to the Corinthians, he said in uh, chapter 7, for even if I made you grieve in my letter, okay? So Paul rebukes these Corinthians in, in their church in a previous letter about some things that they did wrong, some wrongs that they committed. He actually rebuked them, and it hurt their feelings, okay? And it caused them grief. He says, he says so if I have even made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I see that the letter grieved you, though only for a while. So he says, I feel, I do feel bad for hurting your feelings when I jumped your case, but I don't regret doing it because, okay, as it is, I rejoice not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting for your, for you felt a godly grief that you suffered no loss through us. Okay. Here's what he's saying. I feel bad for hurting your feelings. But I don't regret it because of those emotions you feel. Because that, that guilt caused you to do something. It caused you to repent. It caused you to turn around. It caused you to change. It caused you to walk away from what you did or what you're doing. Okay? That is what godly grief does. Godly grief affects you and those emotions cause you to repent and turn away from what you did wrong and what you are doing wrong. Okay? It causes you to seek and make things right. That's what godly grief does. And then Paul says, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. Godly grief produces a change in you. It reshapes you. It causes you to repent and leads you to where there is no regret. Because you have been forgiven, you can, you can move on. Whereas worldly grief produces death. It produces negative emotions. It produces death in friendships and families and relationships and circumstances. And we see what Paul is saying here. Is this kind of grief that you, that you feel over these things? What has it, it done? Okay? Is it worldly grief? I mean, is it, you know, is it a grief because you got caught? And there's consequences to, that, to your actions? Is that where your grief comes from? Or is it a sincere heart change where you, where you repent of what you've done and where you turn away from the wrong that you've committed? Is it a grief that is marked by sincere, a sincere desire to be forgiven? Okay? Not simply because you don't want to get out of trouble, but you sincerely want things to be right with God and another person? You see, if you still feel that grief emotion for the things that you've done in the past... You just need to ask yourself, have I actually really repented from what I've done? Right? Have I actually changed? Does this mean that I've actually asked for forgiveness? Right? Have I really sought to repair the relationship? Or was I just asking for forgiveness so I wouldn't be in trouble anymore? Has my heart changed in the process? That's the first thing you need to ask. Did I really experience godly grief or worldly grief? Because, because as Paul says, godly grief leads to repentance. Right? Which leads ultimately to a place of no regrets. And that's, that's why we seek forgiveness in the first place. Is we want to live where there's no regrets. Now another reason why people feel these emotions of not being able to forgive themselves is because their focus is all wrong. Okay? And this is one of those themes that's been running throughout this series. You see, when you are focused on yourself instead of God, you have this tendency to value your own forgiveness over God's. They say, no, God has forgiven me, but I, I can't forgive myself. Well, who in the heck are you anyway? 
<laughs> I mean, think about that. Why are you focused on you and how you think? Instead, you need to focus on God and what He thinks, right? Right? You have your focus all wrong. I mean, think about this. Right? It is how God thinks about you, not how you think about you that heals you. It is, it is how God works in your life, not how you work in your life that heals you. All right? It's God that heals you, not yourself. You don't heal yourself. God heals you. And so if you continue to persist in these emotions of why can't you forgive yourself, your focus is probably wrong because an emotion or guilt or grief that you feel actually... It actually has a purpose. If you feel that grief, that, that the purpose of that grief is to, to drive you not to forgive yourself, but instead to drive you to embrace the fact that you're already forgiven. It should push you into the arms of God. Okay? It should push you to embrace God's forgiveness, not wallow in self-pity. Because it's all about Him. It's not about you. Right? When, when you say, I can't forgive myself, you're focusing on you instead of the one who has already set you free. <clears throat> so the solution isn't to figure out how to forgive yourself. The solution is simply to better understand and embrace and revel in and appreciate how God has already forgiven you to focus on Him. You've already been forgiven. You've already been set free. The greatest problem in your life that you will ever face has, has, has been, in fact, taken care of. In fact, one of the greatest promises in the entire Bible, which is today's text, Paul tells us, there is, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's say that again. There is, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You have been set free. You have been judged by God himself. And you have been acquitted because of the blood of the Lamb. You are forgiven. And any emotion that tells you that you can't forgive yourself is simply due to the fact that you are focused on you and not on God. You are focused on what you think and what you think you can do instead of what God has already done. Now, the, the final reason why many people persist in this emotional need to, for, to figure out how to forgive themselves is simply a manifestation of what worry and anxiety truly is, which is simply a lack of faith in God. Okay? It is a failure to trust in God's ability to sufficiently judge you and sufficiently forgive you. In fact, John Piper says that it, it's, it's, an, it's an arrogant failure to trust in the free verdict of God, which is no condemnation. It is a failure to trust in the free Right? It costs you nothing, verdict or pronouncement of God, that you are not condemned. You are not a greater judge than God. Your standards are not higher than God's. Okay? Your values are not more righteous than God's. So if He forgives you, you're forgiven. End of story. And to think that you need to forgive yourself when God has already forgiven you is an arrogant attempt to stand above God, you don't need to figure out how to forgive yourself. You just need to trust that God has already done it. You need to trust in God and trust in His promise that He's already given you. You need to rest in forgiveness. That's the solution to this anxiety is you rest in God's forgiveness. You trust Him. You don't trust you. You trust Him and you take Him in His promise that you no longer are condemned. You've been set free and you've already been forgiven. Seek forgiveness first from God and then others, sincerely seek it. And the second, for, give forgiveness to everyone who has wronged you. Everyone, 
sincerely forgive them. And third, you need to rest in that forgiveness. Rest in the fact that you've been forgiven. Okay? And, and the way that you do that is to continue to focus on God. Take the focus off of yourself and focus on Him. That is the antidote uh, to worry in the first place, is to continue to keep our mind fixed on God. So now comes the big question. What do we do with this? I mean, how do we apply this to our lives? Well, let's talk about application. Okay, well, first of all, let's talk about seeking forgiveness. You need God's forgiveness first, right? You need, you need God's forgiveness first and the forgiveness of others. Now, if you have not already received God's forgiveness, if you have not placed your trust in Jesus and been forgiven by God, I'm going I'm to give you an opportunity to do that in a little bit, and we'll talk about that, okay? Uh, in fact, I'll walk you through that. Uh, but, uh, but, but if you feel anxiety right now uh, for something you've done to someone else, right, and you have not sought their forgiveness, I want to encourage you to take care of that this week. And it's really, really simple, okay? It's not complicated. You just need to confess, repent, and ask, all right? Confess, repent, and ask. Let's say that together. Confess, repent, and ask, okay? And, and let, me, let, let me just show you kind of how this looks. Maybe it's a coworker you need, that, that you need forgiveness of, all right? Maybe it's somebody you've been kind of like mean to, all right? Um, you can say something like, you know, Jim or Tom, I'm just making up names here. All right, Jim or Tom, I realize I've been really rude to you. I've actually been kind of ignoring you or I've been a jerk to you. And I realize it's not fair and you don't deserve to be treated that way. Um, and so I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm just want you to know, I'm, I'm not going to do that anymore. And I'm just going to ask, will you forgive me? All right? It's as simple as that. It doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. You don't have to write big, long, you know, apologies. It's just confess what you're doing wrong. Repent from what you're doing wrong and then ask for forgiveness. It's that simple, right? And you can do that for any wrong in basically any relationship you committed. You can do that with your kids. Oh, man, I'm really sorry that like, you know, when it's like 110 degrees outside, I get really cranky and I take it out on you. I am, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm, I'm going to do my best not to ever do that again. I'm sorry. Can you forgive me? I mean, it's really, you know, you can do that with your kids. You can do it with your spouse. You can do that with your coworkers. This is the secret to helping build, rebuild relationships, okay, and removing that anxiety. Now, um, the second thing is you need, to, you need to give forgiveness, all right? And, and this is it's a pretty simple step. Now, it's simple, not easy, okay? But it's a simple step to take. And, in fact, uh, let me just give you, like, an idea to help you with this, all right? You can forgive people even when they don't ask you for your forgiveness. And, uh, and, so, and you, don't have to go, you don't even have to go up to them and go, I'm going to be the bigger person. I'm going to forgive you. And, I mean, you don't have to even have that conversation. All right? What you can do is just take a moment, take a piece of paper out, write their name at the top, and write whatever wrong they've done. Okay? Look at it. Pray over it. And then turn it at an angle. Take a big Sharpie and write in big letters, forgiven. All right? And from there, what you do with it is completely up to you. You can put it in a file of people that you've forgiven, so that way you can kind of like, you know, see progress in your life. Or you can be like other people who just actually like either bury it or burn it, so that way it's like it doesn't exist anymore. Okay? But I'm going to encourage you to do that. Okay? Forgive. All right? And then finally, to rest in forgiveness, um, you just need to make sure that you sincerely sought forgiveness, and then you just need to trust this is really what, what worry, the antidote for worry is, is trusting in God. You just need to trust in God and the promise he made to forgive you. And if you'll do these three things, if you will consistently seek forgiveness, give forgiveness, and rest in forgiveness, you will overcome the worry and anxiety that you have in your past. Now, if you're ready to um, have God forgive you 
and you're ready to have a relationship with him and walk with Jesus, then uh, let's all bow our heads, actually. And, and if you're ready um, to receive the, the, the forgiveness of God, then, then pray this, this prayer with me. And it's actually really very simple. There's no magic formula prayer. It really just comes from where your heart is. And it always begins with acknowledging um, where you are. Lord God, I know that I'm a sinner. I've done things I'm not proud of. I've done things that I've hurt other people. I, I've lived a life I know that is not pleasing to you. But I also come to understand that I can't fix it. Your word says that uh, even the best deeds that I can come up with will not overcome my sin. They're just but like filthy rags before you. And so I realize I can't save myself, which means I'm hopeless. I'm destined for your wrath. But Lord, I heard the good news that you sent your son to die for me. You know, that your word says that, 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 uh, that, that Jesus came, that you loved me so much that, that you sent your son, and that if I will believe in him, that I will have eternal life. And Lord, I confess today that Jesus is the Lord. I believe in him. And I believe that he died on the cross. I believe you rose him from the dead, proving that he is what he claimed to be, God in the flesh, and that he can do what he promised to do, which is to save me from my sins and forgive me. And so, Lord, I come to you now confessing Jesus as Lord, believing in that, and asking for your forgiveness. And I pray that you'd send the Holy Spirit into my life to confirm for me that I belong to you. And help me not to just be someone who says it, but actually lives it out. Help me to sincerely give my life to you where, it's, where there's a change that's manifested in my life, that I repent from my sins, and I begin to really actively follow you. I love you, Lord, and I thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, I pray. for listening. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. And please consider partnering with us financially as we share the hope and the healing of Jesus Christ with our community and with the world.